Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I lived in Stockton whenever I was working for the prison system, and then my dad made captain at the unit I was at, and so they told me I had to go somewhere else. So I went up to Lubbock for about 14 months and worked at a psychiatric facility for convicted felons. And if you don't think that was a little bit kind of Western, <laughs> whew, I started looking at people like they was crazy. If we'd be in the mall or something, I'd be like, you stay away from me. But anyway, so I was there for 14 months, and then I came back because they changed some regulations, and I was able to come back, and Dad called me one day. This was after I came back, and he said, Hey, I'm going to be day working this weekend. They need, they need somebody else. You, you, you want to you do some day working? Yeah, you know, no problem. He said, Well, well they need a colt. Would, would you mind riding one of their colts? And, you know, I was a young guy then. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> tell me a little bit about this colt because I'd done that before, you know, and, and he said, well, um, he, he said they've about 30 days on him. I'm like, okay. And he said, yeah, he's doing real good and everything. And I get there, and I think um, 30 days on him, I think they left the W out. I think it was 30 days on him. I don't think he'd ever had a saddle on, and we were working for a guy named Bill Hargis. And so, anyway, you always know you're in for a wreck before anything whenever the wagon boss brings you the horse and everybody's grinning at you. Nobody's getting on their horse, or you know they may get on, but they're looking right at you, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy." So anyway, we saddle up and we had to trailer out to this, you know, another part of the ranch and everything. And we we get done, and of course everybody there looking at me, and I'm like, I'm looking over. The only person that's not looking at me is my father. He's like this. It'll be okay, son. So I get on this colt. And you have to understand something about Bill Hargis. Bill Hargis was a great, great man. He was a world, world, world war two fighter pilot. Okay. This man had seen it and done it and been there, got the t-shirt and everything like that. And Bill had this big ranch and he would help gather his pastures from a plane. Now I want to tell you about this little colt. Because this little colt, whenever I got on him, he kind of humped up a little bit, but I kind of got him this way and got him that way and kind of talked him out of everything. And we got going across the pasture, and we're all spread out and everything. And then all of a sudden I hear this, and here comes this like little piper cub or something like that. And Bill, being from World War II, if those cattle got brushed up or something, there was literally a 12-gauge shotgun mounted on the door. And he would fly down and he had rock salt in that 12 gauge and he'd shoot those cattle out of the brush because it was real brushy down there in Texas. And so I'm pedaling along here on this little colt. You know, you're, you're, you're all tense because, you know, you've never been on this horse before. And here it comes. And what he would do is he would just fly back and forth over the top of us to keep everybody in line because you couldn't see anybody because of all the brush. And then if one of the, if, if we missed something, what he would do is he'd sit there and circle over where we had missed some cattle. So it's kind of fun. But I'm on this colt and I'm going around, and this colt had a superpower. His superpower was he could spot a communist aerial assault. Because we're riding along and I hear, and that colt went, 
And I swear he must have been a Marine or an Army Ranger or something because about the time that Bill started his flyover and everything, he went, what? It'll be okay. We're just going to sit here until that aerial assault is, is done. Is it gone? And of course, I, just, I peed all over the place by now. I don't know how he got into that bush, but I was hungry down there with him. And we did that for about four hours. I couldn't see it, but I promise you Bill Hargis was laughing. He'd sit there because it seemed like every time he would like come over my spot, circle back around to make sure I was okay. <laughs> Get out of here. He landed it that day out in the middle of a pasture. He landed that airplane in an area, I promise you, no bigger than this building right here. I mean, where we're sitting right here. He landed that thing. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there and everything. He's talking to us and because we're going to get another pasture and everything. We're kind of throwing everything into a trap. And he said, well, I better go get back in the air. And I told him, you leave me alone. <laughs> he didn't even acknowledge me. He just walked off. And so anyway, he gets in his plane and he <laughs> fires it up. <laughs> he takes off bouncing across the pasture. Seriously, man, West Texas pasture. He's bouncing across there. And he just pulls it straight up. <laughs> and it dies. I am not kidding you. It died. We all peed. He is not very high up there. And all of a sudden you see him going. And he gets it started again and he just flies off. His son-in-law was with us and his son-in-law's over there going. But you know, we got to the pens and everything. And you know, we got to go back for something. And it was really cool experience and I didn't get bucked off. So everything was great. You know, and we're going along, and, and there was some kiddos with us, and you know, when there's some kids with you on a drive, man, there's just nothing better than uh, than just watching them, you know, riding along with their dad, woo-hoo, you know, shooing the cows on, come on, mamas, and everything like that, and then, you know, we got to the pens, and Miss Hargis and, and uh, her daughter had made us a big old lunch, because you don't get lunch in a lot of places, but they made us a big old lunch, and I mean, just... Everybody pulled together to make that gathering something incredible. Uh, memories that I'll never forget. Some good, not some not so good. I'm still pulling thorns out of my face um, from that horse hiding. But today, just like that cult superpower was to see an oncoming aerial assault. Do you know that each and every one of you have a superpower too? And not everybody's the same. Not everybody's going to be the, 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 the holy Spider-Man or the holy Batman or Superman or anything like that. But everybody has been given a superpower. The first thing, we're going to try to figure out what those are for each of us today. And the very first thing that we have to understand is we have to know that we have them. Okay, we have to know that we have them. In Matthew 7, 11, it says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? God has given every single one of us a gift, a superpower. We have to understand what that is. Now, you have to understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, but 
they kind of tell the same story. John is a little bit, it's kind of separated from the other three, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of tell the whole story from three different perspectives. And in Matthew, Matthew's a tax collector, he's writing it, but Luke, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, the same story is told. Matthew told it one way, Luke tells it another way. Saying the same thing, okay? But look at Luke eleven thirteen. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, sounds the same, doesn't it? Let me read Matthew 7 again. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? That's Matthew 7, 11. Here is Luke eleven thirteen. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Think about that right quick. Matthew says that your heavenly Father will give good gifts to those who ask. Luke says that your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, some people may say that's saying two separate things, but actually they're saying the same thing because the greatest gift that he could give is the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit's power whenever we come to accept Jesus Christ, our faith in Him, God sends us the Holy Spirit, and it's that Holy Spirit that turns the takes you from ordinary to extraordinary. Without the Holy Spirit, your gifts are nothing more than just kind of parlor tricks in the dark. You have to know that we have them. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you go from ordinary to extraordinary, and it's not by your power. It's because God will send you the Holy Spirit to be in and start working through you and speaking through you. You know, there are certain times that you know people just say, well, I don't know what to say. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. When the time is right, I'm going to say it. You know, sometimes, and it happens. This morning, I'm not going to say who it is, but I saw somebody. You could see it in their eyes that they're hurting. Well, crap, I didn't know what to say. Just because you're a preacher, they don't give you a preacher's manual with, in this situation, you're supposed to use these words. And the last thing that somebody really wants is to, for us to break into high Christianese. You know what high Christianese is, right? You know, well, you just need to have faith in God and trust in the Holy Spirit to sanctify you and justify you with the propitiation of his, the saints. And, and nobody knows what that means. It just sounds good. But whenever you're with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, they're not going to give you the answer. They're not going to tell you what to say until you go and get ready to say it. The Holy Spirit, man, will turn those gifts on. you got to know that you have them. So if you sinful people... Know how to give good gifts to your children. I see a bunch of boys and little girls around here that are loved by their parents. Probably spoiled rotten. I know my kids are. My daughter will tell you that. If we can be good parents and give the good gifts to our children because we love them, how much more is God going to take care of you? Now, don't, don't confuse that with God is not a genie. And he's not going to make all your problems go away. I tell my son all the time, son, if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth it, right? Well, God tells us that sometimes also. You've got to go in there and know that God has given you gifts because His Word says it. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And you know what? That's the only gift you need because a lot of times what people ask for 
is, and I'm just going to use money as an illustration. I'm not telling you that if you become a Christian and you ask the Holy Spirit to give you a million dollars that it's going to happen, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just using this as an illustration so that you can understand it. A lot of people ask to be get uh, freed from a debt, but they ask to be freed from a debt, but God is willing to give us the bank. We ask for a ride to the store, and God's willing to give us the car. You see what I mean? We're far too easily pleased, but it's the Holy Spirit that does all of this stuff in our lives. So the first thing is we got to know that they're available. When you call on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you ask the Holy Spirit to come live in your life, man, it's going to happen. It is. The second thing is you got to learn to recognize them. What is your gift? What is your superpower? I mean, if what we're, we're going to start right here with Amanda. Amanda, come up here and tell us your superpower. Not really. Not really. But if I did that, if everybody was to walk across and, you know, hey, you know, my name's Kevin. My superpower is, could you tell what it is? Can we recognize them? Let me tell you three things about recognizing the gifts, gift or gifts that God has given you. And I want you to pay attention to this. The first thing you have to do to recognize the gift that God has given you, the very first thing is you have to don't try to copy somebody else's gift. Now, there's lots of people. I mean, I, you know, I, I wish that I could. Uh, I wish that I could rope like Ty. I wish that I could be as good a businessman as Brad is, and and all of this stuff. But God did not call us to copy somebody else's gift. He has get, He made us all unique. He has given us unique gifts. So just because you're walking around and you admire somebody and you admire their gift, don't think that just because you want to be like them that that is your gift. It's not, or it might not be. You may have the same gift, but what I'm saying is don't look elsewhere to find your gift. Don't look in somebody else. Look inside yourself. Don't try to copy somebody else. The second thing in recognizing your superpower is you will think it's no big deal. When you finally understand what your gift is, you're like, you're going to think, well, that's no big deal. How, How can I use that? But God can do amazing things. Actually, the smaller the thing, God does greater things with it. Think about the widow at the, uh, whenever she came in, she dropped like one penny in the offering. Jesus stopped time and said, look at that. Did you see what she just did? She has given more than everybody because she gave everything. The amount doesn't matter. It's the intention. It doesn't matter how big your superpower is, God can use it in super magnificent ways. You'll think, if you want to recognize your superpower, honestly, when it's finally revealed to you, and it probably already is, you're going to think, well, that's not that big of a deal. And number three, in recognizing your superpower, it's probably something that you're already good at. It's probably already something that you're really, really good at. I'll give you an example so you'll understand what I'm saying. Growing up, I remember being at Texas Tech University after my first semester of not going, and uh, it's true. Somebody asked me something, and I said, you know, all I want to do is cowboy. And I don't, I, I'm not telling any of y'all kids, I don't want y'all to, th- this is my deal. Remember, you're unique, so don't follow it just because you think Kevin has a good story. I quit and went to work on these ranches. And I promise you, <laughs> what did I tell Ty the other day? Somebody put, I think it was Frank Johnson, he said, uh, he said, chasing the dream, living the nightmare. And that's what ranch work is. 
Savy just smiled. And then that's the way it is. I mean, you think it's glamorous until it's, you know, 20 below out there and you're out there calving heifers or something like that. Oh, it's, it's a great dream. It's a magnificent dream and we all chase it. But there ain't a cowboy one that ain't been like, crap, what am I doing, man? I'd rather, can I just go work at McDonald's? Of course, we don't do that, most of us, but it's just one of those deals. So whenever I was learning to recognize my superpower, all I wanted to do was cowboy. The other thing is I've always, now, y'all may not understand this, okay? I've always had some small flair for the dramatic. I mean, I know that, that doesn't come out very often, but, you know, I, sometimes I might be a little sarcastic. I might, sometimes I have a tendency to go over the top a little bit, and I know that's not, you know, y'all don't see that very often and or anything like that, but, you know, I've always loved telling a story. And cowboys are the greatest storytellers ever because each time, man, they throw that little, Luke, just a little further, that horse bucks just a little harder. Now, all of mine are absolutely true. I don't do that. But I've always had one of these deals of loving to tell a dramatic story. And the more you can pull people in, the better the story. And I just love it. I did really well in school. I really did. I mean, I was a, not just because I didn't go. But, I mean, I was a straight-A student in school and everything. And one of the reasons is... I could take a, a hard concept and I could put it into my own words and my own way of doing it, and then I could do it every time. And I'm sorry, kids, that sometimes these teachers, and I'm not criticizing teachers, y'all have to do what you have to do, but when they make you do things a certain way, I was never very good at that and I got in trouble for it a lot. But I learned what they were trying to teach me and that was the end result. But I had a knack for taking things that were really, really hard to understand my friends would come up to me and they're like, hey, man, can you help me with this? I'm like, yeah, what are you having a problem with? And they're like, well, right here. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, J -j forget all that. All they're saying is this. They're like, well, crap, why didn't they just say that? I said, I don't know, but that's all it is. Well, I can do that. Sure you can. So you take those three things, the love of being a cowboy, storytelling, and the knack for taking complex things and putting them in simple terms. And whenever I gave my life to Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus whenever I was a teenager. I gave my life to Him years later. And God took those three gifts and said, now use those three things. People come up to me all the time, and I'm definitely not tooting my own horn by any means, but they're like, I understand what you say. I enjoy coming to church because I can tell a story. But I wouldn't have any stories if I wouldn't have gone and worked those big ranches. And the fact that I can take hard things to understand and put them in simple words has become my superpower. And I love using my gift. Y'all think this is, this, is, this is easy right here. Now, being a pastor sometimes, and that's the hard part. That is the hard part. But what you see right now is me using my gift. And I thank God for the gifts that He's given me, but I thank God for the gifts that He gave each and every one of you because what I have done and the amount of people that God has reached through me, God wants to do the exact same thing with each and every one of you. Not just me, not just Jared, not just Ty, not just my wife. He wants to reach the whole 
world. Remember the Great Commission? Go out into all the world, make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I've commanded. He wants to use you in that same way. And you're going to do it through the gifts that He's given you. How do you recognize your gift? I don't know what your gift is. Your gift is between you and God. But I'm telling you, don't try to copy somebody else's gift. Okay? And I promise you, when you finally figure out what your gift is, it's going to be like that V8 moment. But you're going to think, that ain't no big deal. How could I use that for God? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And this third thing, you're already good at your gift, but when you start using it for God, the Holy Spirit turns the power on. Use them. Use the gifts. We talked about how, that we got to, you, you got to know you've been given the gifts. Every single believer has been given the gifts. Gift, gifts, whatever. You've got to know that you have them. Number two, you've got to learn to recognize them. And the third thing is you've got to use them in the gathering. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, the Apostle Paul says this, And the same is true for you, since you are so eager to have the special abilities, superpowers, since you are so eager to have the superpowers the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And what does he mean by church? 20, I can't, are we like in the 19th to 23rd century? I can't ever keep that crap straight. Straight! straight. <laughs> Today we think of church as a building where people go on Sunday morning. That is not the church. The church is the group of people that believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? That is the church. It has nothing to do with the building. It has nothing to do with the listening to a preacher. Nothing. Okay? When, when Paul says, seek those gifts that will strengthen the church, he's talking about the group of believers. Not, make sure we have more people on Sunday service. That's not what it means. Okay? It might, that might be a byproduct of it. But we got to use our gifts to gather people up. Everyone has a part in the gathering. Remember whenever I said that we all, we all got on our horses and, and Bill was flying and, and Miss Hargis had, had fixed us lunch. There was not a person from the child that was riding with us to the guy that was in the air to the ladies that were caring for us. Everybody played a part in gathering those cattle that day. And there wasn't one part that was insignificant. Not a single part. Everybody had their part to gather in some form or fashion or their part to play in it. Use the gifts that God has given you to help us gather people up. It's what the Great Commission says. Go out and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey what I've commanded. And what did he command? Go out and make disciples and baptize them. In cattle terms, what we're trying to do is we go out and we gather these mavericks, these unbranded cattle, these sick and dying cattle, because there's a prescribed burn coming to this world. And we're going to show them the narrow gate, and we're going to feed them and get them well and get them healthy, and then we're going to train them to go out and gather more. And this is just going to be what we're going to do till Jesus comes back. Use your gift in that gathering in some form or fashion. Maybe you're going to go out and gather. Maybe you're going to help feed. Maybe you're going to help doctor. Maybe you're going to teach them how to go back out. Whatever the case may be. Everyone has a part in the gathering. Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Body, meaning body of believers. The group of cowboys, our outfit, our crew, You've got a part to play in it. And if you don't do your part, you're putting a strain on those of us who are. It's a privilege to ride for God. 
take part in this gathering. Take part in this feeding. Take part in this sending by using the gifts that God has given you. And He's given every single one of you if you've called on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. you got the Holy Spirit. You just ask. Ephesians 4.16, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And isn't that, isn't that a gathering right there? Come on, cowboys. That, that, that's what you do. It's biblical. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Now you see where my passion lies, people. Being a Christian and being a cowboy is the exact same thing. There's so many, and it fits together perfectly. And that's what we're called. Every one of us is either a cowboy or we identify with those qualities that makes a cowboy great. And it's the same things that makes a Christian great. Courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. What would this world be like if we all had those? Be awesome. We could change the world. We got to know that we have gifts. We got to learn to recognize them and ask for them. Ask them to be revealed to you and then use them. Sometimes you're not going to even know what they are until you start doing something. Just do something. Go up to somebody. If you think, man, you know what? I think I need to talk to them. They look like they're hurting or, or something like that. Just depend on God and just step out in faces. <laughs> face. Faith. Like Jared says, shake your face. Anybody can be a bull rider in the chute. You ain't a bull rider until you shake your face. Some of us need to shake our face for God. Come on, let's do it. Get out there. Are you worthy? No, that's why he called you. If you were worthy, you wouldn't need him. <laughs> now, if you didn't get something out of that, amigos, you've either lost your mind, lost your way, or lost your sense of humor. Maybe all three. Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby again. You know, I just wanted to say thanks for y'all coming, sitting with us for a spell. If you'd like to find out more about Save the Cowboy, just type in savethecowboy.com into that fancy computer or smartphone of yours, and you'll be riding with us faster than a catch a dog lined out on a Maverick. And we'll see y'all next time. Adios. I'd like to thank my good friends at Integrity Auto Repair for their help in making this radio ministry possible. And their name says it all, Integrity Auto. If you're ever in Kiowa, Colorado, go by and see Jim and Kelly Gerald and tell them Save the Cowboy sent you.